You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Last week, Lee spoke on knowing God, and it was so powerful. I think we had three or four salvations in the house last week. Come on. So exciting. And this week, we're going to be speaking about finding freedom, which I'm very expecting for what God's going to do. Now, this series is based in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 and 7, which says, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. We're really looking into moving forward in our spiritual journeys through this series, stepping into what God has for us in our life as Christians. So let's press in. Let's be expecting this morning. Let's know that God is going to move. I want you guys to be on the front foot. Encourage me. I need encouragement. So if something's good, please tell me, and let's see what God does this morning. So I wonder, church, if you've ever been in, in, in a little situation, ever been in a moment where you've just been minding your own business, maybe you're walking down the street or you're in a shop or maybe you're just in the car and then suddenly a tune. Yeah, suddenly a tune comes on and it disrupts your thinking. Thanks, James. That is a good song. Give me a show of hands if you know that song. I was a little bit worried, you know, as a South African coming. I didn't know if the British would know a song called Africa. I didn't know. But you know it, praise God. So this song, it actually takes me back to a moment when I was about maybe six or seven. That's a long time for me. Six or seven years old. And I was at a theme park in Cape Town called Ratanga Junction which I don't know if you know any South Africans, maybe you know that place, but it's cool. I was at this ride called the Cobra, which believe it or not, that's the name of a snake. And in this ride, you actually standing in the queue, there are loads of snakes around you. Like you're literally like stood in a queue and there are snakes in cages all around you. So every time I hear that song, that memory flashes back. How about the next one, James? This one, yes. This takes me back when I was in high school. I was, you know, this song, I think it was top of the charts for about 13 weeks, which before Ed Sheeran was a long time. I don't think anything back then stayed on the charts for longer than like two or three weeks. Maybe I'm wrong, but that song takes me back to when I was in school and uh, we would have these big class-wide sing-songs. So we would all just sit there and be like, where is the love? Beautiful memory. Or maybe sound isn't your thing. What about smell? I know many of us, we can be in a moment and you suddenly can just sniff something and it takes you back to, it evokes memories of past. And suddenly you're where you were 20 years ago. For me, something that always happens is when I'm walking down the high street or maybe I'm in Zara or I'm sat in a restaurant, I get a sniff of perfume. And one that always captures me is Dior's Dune perfume. Does any of ladies wear that? Yes, a couple at the back there. That perfume is stunning. That perfume, whenever I smell it, I can always recognize it. I know it off by heart, the smell. And it always reminds me of my grandma. It's a really beautiful... (laughs) That's not bad. It's a special memory in my heart. 
When I smell that gorgeous smell, it reminds me of sitting on my grandma's lap. Okay? So, moving along. Guys. <laughs> See, nostalgia, church, is a powerful thing. And psychology tells us that sounds, smells, tastes, they actually evoke memories of old. So much so that they can actually take you back to that moment. 20, 30, 40 years ago. Maybe five years ago for our youth. I don't know. <laughs> um, but there's something powerful about the past and the, that nostalgia and what it does within us. You see, we all have a sense of times where the past seems more appealing than maybe the present or the future. Times where we, we don't want to think about tomorrow. We don't want to think about today. We would rather think about that good time we had a week ago or maybe 10 years ago. Maybe for you, it's a time when you were younger, more carefree, or a time when you felt closer to God or closer to your families or friends. Or maybe it's a time that you didn't have to worry about tomorrow, what tomorrow had in store. Maybe nostalgia isn't like a positive. It might be positive for you, but maybe it's a negative connotations to you. See, nostalgia, it brings up something unique for each one of us. But the thing is, church, when we hold on to the past, when we hold on to ideals, expectations, when we hold on to relationships of old, habits, it's actually stopping us from stepping into the freedom that God has for us for tomorrow. And in order to step forward into freedom, in order to step into our God-given destiny, we have to be able to let go. We have to be able to say goodbye to the past and step into the freedom that God has for us tomorrow. And our title today is Goodbye Past Hello Freedom. Wasn't There it is. Goodbye Past Hello Freedom. And our scripture today that we're going to be focusing on is John chapter 4. So just stick with me for a second because there's a few verses. And it says this. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where will you get this living water from? And Jesus said, everyone who drinks the water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't go thirsty. And I won't have to keep coming back here to draw water, a tiring task. And he told her, go call your husband and come back. And she said to Jesus, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man that you now have is not even your husband. What you've said is quite true. Jesus then goes on to talk and she actually comes to realize that Jesus is God. And it says in verse 28, then... Leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? A realization of God right there. And they came out of the town and made their way towards him. So just to summarize our text for a minute, we've got the woman at the well there. The first thing we learn is that she was a Samaritan, right? A Samaritan woman, or Samaritans full stop, did not associate with Jews. It was not cultural norm. The two didn't mix. It was something, there's something that the passage here wants us to realize out of that. 
Secondly, she went to the well in the heat of the day. I just want you to imagine for a second, we know we've had a bit of a heat wave over the last, feels like a year, very long time. We've had this heat wave. Now imagine at 12 o'clock when it's about 45 degrees in the Middle East in Israel, going down to the water with your jar, which is about, let's say, at least three times the size of this. I'm going to say this is my jar for illustration purposes. Your jar, you've got to carry this down to the well, fill it up with water, which means it's going to quadruple in weight, and then you're going to go all the way back. You see, she went to the well in the heat of the day, so she was probably trying to avoid people. She didn't want to see people because no one else would be doing that. No one else would be making that journey in the heat of the day. So my assumption, what I'm gathering from this is she was probably had something to hide, which we later find out is her five husbands and her plus one. See, I think she was full of shame. I think maybe she didn't want to look anyone in the eye. Maybe she was a slave to people's opinions or people's perceptions about her. See, this woman, she was operating in public, but she was carrying her shame in private. She was doing everything, life as usual, but in private, she was in pieces. She wasn't in a good way. Yet, even still, we see Jesus, he's there waiting for her. He knew, because he's God, right? Jesus is God. Because of that, he already knew everything there was to know about her, but he still positioned himself in a place where he could meet her, get to know her, and then lead her to truth and freedom. See, I think that there might even be some people in the room today who... Maybe you, you feel a bit like the woman at the well. Maybe you come in late, you sneak to the back, or maybe in the middle, I don't know. Maybe you sneak in and you sit in the dark and you hope that no one on a Sunday sees you, no one approaches you. But I want to say today that Jesus is here today and he wants to meet you. He wants to reveal himself to you today. So we're just going to look now at three steps that we can implement to step into freedom. And the first step to freedom is find truth. So verse 26 says, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Now, church, 2020 probably brings back horror memories. We just say the year's name. 2020 was interesting and hard for all of us, right, in different ways. It was a difficult year. But one of the things that was interesting about 2020 was there was a vast rise of conspiracy theories. Now, I love a good conspiracy. Don't even get me on my roll. Like, I would chat for hours about different conspiracy theories. Sometimes I don't even have opinions. I just like to hear what people are thinking, what people are saying, what people are claiming as the truth. But one of the things that was interesting was people were questioning the origin of COVID-19. That was a conspiracy theory. Where did it come from? Did people invent it? Did they plant it? Is it all preconceived? I don't know. I don't have an answer. Um, the second one is maybe the idea that the US presidential election was rigged. Who remembers that one? That was spicy. Yeah, again, no opinion. And then my third one that I thought was quite interesting was the idea that a blue tick verification on social media platforms like Twitter, Instagram, I don't think Facebook has them, but maybe um, TikTok might have them as well, where the blue tick next to someone's name could be purchased. Now, I don't, if you don't know about the blue tick, basically it's for anyone who is um, a bit more well-known, maybe they have a bit more of a following. If you have a blue tick next to your name, it verifies that you are the true version of something. And the idea that this could be purchased, that this could be bought, obviously throws everything up in the air because who's the true one then? Who is the true 
Lysandre. There's only one of me. But who is the true one? See, anyone can put an idea out there and claim truth or put themselves out there as the truest form of something. Anyone can do that. When I was little, <laughs> about five or six, sometimes on like a Sunday, I'd go have a nap, as kids do, hopefully. And sometimes on my nap, after my nap, I would wake up and... Um, I'd wake up and there'd be a man sitting at the end of my bed. Sounds weird, right? There'd be this man sat at the end of my bed and I'd be like, who is that? The first time I was really caught off guard. And um, it looked exactly like my dad. But it wasn't my dad. It was my dad's twin brother who was also a superhero. I know, shock imagination, right? So my super uncle, superhero uncle, existed for years. And I really thought he only appeared after naps. And he looked exactly like my dad, and he always had, like, a mask on. And I found it a bit weird. Like, why is my super uncle not, you know, in real-life situations with us, only after naps? But you see, this, this idea of super uncle that my dad invented to arrive after nap times, he claimed this as a true version of himself, as an uncle, a true version of something. See? People are attracted to people who present truth with confidence. My dad presented that truth of fake uncle super, super uncle, as a truth to me. And as a kid, I believed it for a few years. You know, society says, church, society today says, own your truth, be your truth, live your truth, all this stuff about truth. But I want to say today that truth isn't a concept. Truth isn't an idea. Truth isn't something that we can just pluck out of the air. No, truth is a person, and his name is Jesus. Come on, right? His name is Jesus Christ. Truth, the only way, truth, and life. See, John chapter 14, verse 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And you can't live in freedom, church, if you don't know who truth is. See, just like the woman at the well... Once we know and understand that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life, we're able to let go of what we're carrying and step into true freedom, step into what God has for us. And we can only find that when we encounter his presence, when we encounter who Jesus is. So you'll only experience freedom when you understand that truth can only be found in Jesus. And Jesus has a really, really gentle way about him. He's a gentleman. He will introduce himself to you first. He will sit down with you. He will have a conversation with you. He asked the woman, give me a drink. See, he approached her in normal chit-chat. He then, after that, after she's comfortable, he confronts her with the reality of her situation, and he brings truth to her situation. And it's when we confront our situations, our shame, that we actually find truth in situations. See, there's a quote that's going to come up on screen from Will Willimon. And it says, At the heart of the Christian life is a holy paradox. The more securely we are tethered to Christ, the more obedient we are to his way rather than the world's way. The more free we become. Or as Jesus put it, if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. So church, what are you finding your truth in today? What are you looking to as your truth? Let's look to Jesus. Let's look to Jesus as our truth. The second step we have to freedom is to let go. Verse 28 says, then leaving her water jar. Now, has anyone here ever been on Go Ape? 
Yeah, Goape is a great like treetop kind of situation where it's a big obstacle course in the trees. It's really good, really fun, but it is not for the faint at heart. And it is definitely not for people who are scared of heights. Now, I used to never be scared of heights until I went on Goape. It's basically this big thing and it's at least, I think, 15, 20 meters in the sky, that's my assumption. And you're walking on these planks and you're doing these zip wires and you're doing all of these things. And at the end of this, there is something called the Tarzan swing, where you basically have stand on a little platform and you have to trust your little zip wire thing, carabiner, and you just have to jump. And I thought it was only about five meters, but I wanted to make sure I was believing the right thing. So yesterday I went on YouTube and it is about 20 meters you're jumping. You're jumping and then you're sliding and then you have to catch on to this net thing on the other side. Now, I really struggle doing that. I don't actually think I even did it in the end. But just like that, we have to let go. We have to jump off. We have to let go of what God, what we are in and step into what God has got for us in our futures. See, the Israelites had to say goodbye to Egypt. They had to say goodbye to their past before they could step into the promised land. The Bible says that our Samaritan woman, she had to leave her jar. See, she'd spent her life on the quest of fulfillment. She'd spent her life searching in all of the wrong places, searching for relationships, searching for men, searching for people who would fulfill her in the right way. But she knew that that was not going to answer her questions. That was not going to bring her the fulfillment that she needed. She knew that she was lacking something. She knew she needed new answers. She needed life. She, need, she needed something that would give her something to live for. She knew she had to let go of what she was carrying. So James, I'm just going to invite you up for a second. This is my jar, see? This is what I'm holding on to right now. And as I give it to James, I'm letting go. And he's now walking away with my jar. But as he walks away, I've let go of that jar. See, it's like literally nowhere. You cannot see it. It is gone from view. It's gone from perceptions. I can't even look at it if I wanted to because Jesus has taken it away. That jar, that thing I was holding on to, that weight, it is gone from view. It is forgotten. It is gone in Jesus' name. See, church, when we fully let go of something, it is gone and it disappears. We can't go back. And everyone in this room, everyone carries shame in a different way. You can be a Christian for 100 years and still live in slavery. You can be saved and you can be taken out of slavery, but you could still be living in the mindset of slavery. What's holding you back this morning? See, we as a collective, I, small group leaders, your friends, we might not know the bigger picture, but Jesus knows your bigger picture today. He knows exactly where you are at. And church, I want to say this morning that there is always a letting go. We have to let go of something before we can have that divine exchange with Jesus. Letting go before divine exchange. And I don't know about you, but I am always game for a divine exchange with God. Come on. So good. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, the spirit, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I wonder this morning, what are you holding on to that's holding you back? Is it fear? Is it shame, anxiety, addictions, sadness? What is it that's holding you back this morning that you need to let go of to step into freedom? Because as we let go of those and we chuck them away, we actually get to say hello to peace. We get to say hello to joy. We get to say hello to love, to freedom, to, to everything that God has got for us. Once we let go of those old things, we get to step into and accept what he has got for us. The third step we've got is move forward. 
And verse 30 says, They came out of the town and they made their way towards him. See, some people think that moving forward means coming to church on a Sunday or coming to small group on a Wednesday. But I want to tell you today, church, that the point of this, what we do on a Sunday, the point of church as a collective is not to fix your problems. Church does not exist to fix your problems. Church exists to give you a purpose that is much bigger than yourself, a purpose that's bigger than your problems, because only Jesus can fix that. Only Jesus can fix your problems. What are you holding on to this morning? See, as a new parent, I've very quickly come to realize that you need two hands for a reason, <laughs> right? Like if I'm holding Zaina, if I'm holding my baby, I can't pick up very much else. Like if I could have six arms, I would be right there because I've got the baby to carry. I've got my keys. I've got the pram. I've got the bag. I've got my water. I've got teddies. I've got blankets. I've got so much to carry. But while I'm holding her, while I'm holding on to her and keeping her safe, I cannot pick up anything else. See, church, letting go empowers us to move forward. In verse 30, we read, they made their way towards Jesus. See, you have to move towards Jesus to find your freedom, church. You have to move towards him to find your freedom. See, a few years ago, before I moved up to Chester, um, I'd met Lee and we were young and in love and it was lovely. But with that came sacrifice from myself because he lived up here and I lived on the very furthest point of the country down in Kent. And we knew that that couldn't go on forever. So one of us had to give. One of us had to make that decision to lay down our lives, sacrifice everything, give up everything to be with the other person. And, you know, one thing led to the other and I knew it was me I knew that I was going to be that person who had to take that step of faith but that meant that I had to let go of familiarity I had to let go of being near my family I had a great job I had to lay that down I was in a good church I had to lay that down I was doing lots of great things great friends great family you know I had my life set up I knew I wouldn't be there forever but that doesn't make it any easier having to lay those things down See, I knew I needed to say goodbye to fully step into the fullness of God had for to step into the fullness of what God had for me and Lee and our next season as we got married. It was a moment where I had to trust God, to let go and to step forward. It's the power of leaving our jars behind, the power of giving it away and watching it walk off. And you know, it's really worth it sometimes when we when we see the impact of what's happened as a result. You know, a few weeks ago, someone said to me, did you see this? If you hadn't have moved up here a few years ago, none of that would exist. Or if you hadn't have moved up, this person wouldn't have found Jesus. Or if you hadn't have moved up, this person in your workplace wouldn't have heard about Jesus. See, I wonder what's on the other side of you letting go this morning, church. What is the result of the other side of you letting go of what's holding you back? Who is on the other side of your obedience? Letting go empowers us to move forward, church. Now, wonder what does that jar represent to you this morning? Is it a relationship? Is it a relationship that you've been holding on to? Something you've been clinging on to? Maybe something that you keep looking back on? You move on for a few weeks or a few months or maybe years, and then every now and then you look back to that moment 
is it maybe a dream that you once had? Not everything has to be negative, by the way. Like, it could be positive as well, what we're looking at right now. Is it a disappointment? Is it a hurt? Is it unforgiveness? What are you holding on to that you need to let go of today to step into the freedom that Jesus has for you, to step into the fulfillment of His promises for your life, to step into those prophetic words, those declarations that have been spoken over your life? See, 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. Now imagine, church, what, what, what it would look like if we all held on to these steps, if we all stepped into them. Imagine if we would be a church that was fully free, fully able to step into the fullness that God had for us, fully able to step into our truths and our destinies and the impact that that would have on our worlds around us, the impact that that would have on our friends, our families, our, our communities, the impact that that would have on our workplaces. Imagine what it would look like, church, if we took a hold of this today. John 8 verse 36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m.